0: Welcome once again. So glad that you're with us to as we continue in our worship and continue our series entitled Mile Markers for the Journey because we're all on a spiritual journey. We all experience God's presence and power in our lives. That oftentimes we experience these different mile markers on the spiritual journey, some mile markers are, 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 are small and we can pass them by like we pass by mile markers on the road and we don't even notice them. Some mile markers on the spiritual journey are big and they mark us and they're monumental moments in our life. Some mile markers come to us, we don't come to them. They come to us, some of the painful experiences in our lives, they mark us and they deepen our relationship with God. Some mile markers we go to, we step out in faith and we experience God's presence and power in our lives. But there's all sorts of different mile markers on the spiritual journey where we experience God's presence and power in our lives. And they shape us. They mark us. They deepen our relationship with God. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about the first mile marker on the spiritual journey. Not that God wasn't working in our lives up, up to this point, but all along, but there's this certain point there's a certain transition in our spiritual journey where God moves from being a concept to being a person. Where Jesus moves from being the Savior of the world to my personal Savior. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago in John chapter 8 with the woman caught in adultery. And we imagined Jesus picking up this stone and he, he spoke to all the men that accused this woman. He says, if any of you is without sin, let him be the one to throw the first stone. And, and, and none of the men did throw a stone at that woman caught in adultery. And, and Jesus was alone with the woman. And this is what he said to her in John chapter 8. He says, neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. She sa- he says, you're a sinner. You committed adultery. You're guilty. And Jesus says, I don't condemn you. I love you. I forgive you. See, that's the first mile marker on the journey where we recognize that we are sinners and not guilty, not condemned. We are guilty and not condemned. We are forgiven sinners. That Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. Jesus died in our place. Jesus took the stones that should have been on us and he put them on the cross and he died in our place. And he paid the penalty for sin. That's the first mile marker on the journey. And the second mile marker on the journey is represented by these apples. The fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit that we talked about last week, the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control, and all that beautiful fruit that we want characteristic in our lives. And in this mile marker, we learned that we cannot produce fruit. Human effort's not enough. We cannot live out the Christian life in our own strength that we cannot produce fruit. Some people call it that, that, that point on their journey where they hit bottom. Or, or they talk about this point of brokenness in their life. Or they, they come to the edge of that proverbial rope and they let go and let God's Spirit move through them to produce the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. So we learn that God produces fruit, We create the environment for fruit to grow. We can't produce fruit, only the Spirit. It's the Spirit's fruit that's produced. See, that's mile marker number two. Mile marker number two is the fruit of the Spirit, to walk in step with the Spirit. And this morning, we're going to talk about mile marker number three. See, we're not going to be able to talk about all the mile markers on the spiritual journey. I'm sure you can look back in your life and you can see God's marked you and shaped you and brought you to this point on your journey. And there's some that you can also look forward to. We're not going to be able to talk about them all, but we are going to talk about the big ones. See, if mile marker number one is, is <laughs> represented by the stones that Jesus took in our behalf, if mile marker number two is the fruit of the Spirit that only He can produce in us, then mile marker number three is represented by dirt. So we have up here. It's just dirt. And it's based on a song that we just sung about. It's a, it's a, a psalm. In Psalm 24, verse 1, we read this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. So actually, I'd love for you just to repeat that phrase after me, okay? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. See, that's mile marker number three. And somewhere on your journey, between mile marker number one and that final, mark, final mark marker when we meet God in heaven, we experience this point where we realize that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, that I belong to the Lord, that you belong to the Lord, that your house, your stuff, it's all his Everything I think I own is actually on loan because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. See, that's mile marker number three. And, and, and there's a story in the scriptures that describes a group of believers that forgot about mile marker number three. They, they forgot that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it and they slowly drifted away from God. And they didn't experience God's presence and power in their lives. And their story is found in Malachi chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Malachi chapter 3. It's page 951 in your pew Bibles. It's a story about a group of believers all the way back in 400 B.C. And they experienced God's power. They, were, they returned from exile to Jerusalem. Nehemiah already came to build a wall in Jerusalem to provide protection. Ezra was already there to build the temple. They experienced worship, God's presence and power in their lives, but they ended up drifting away from God. And instead of giving God their best in worship, they gave their leftovers. They gave the blind and the crippled animals to be sacrificed. And they drifted away from God. And they forgot that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And and in Malachi chapter 3, verse 7, God speaks to his people. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Ever since you were a child, ever since I've known you, you have drifted away from me, even though I've provided for you, even though I brought you out of exile back to Jerusalem, even though I've protected you with a new wall around Jerusalem, even though I've created this place of worship at the temple, You've drifted from me. You've experienced significant mile markers on your journey, but you've slowly wandered away. Then God says, verse 3, 7b, Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Return to me. Come close to me. Turn towards me. Put yourself in an environment where you can grow closer to me. And guess what? I'm going to turn towards you. I'm going to come closer to you. I'm going to return to you as you return to me. But then they ask, how are we to return? How are we to get ourselves right? How are we to get back on the path of spiritual growth and maturity? Well, the Lord answers, verse 8. And in in a fascinating way, this is what God says. Well, a man robbed God, yet you robbed me. But you ask, how do we rob you in tithes and offerings? You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. God says, you're robbing me. You're stealing from me, the whole nation of you. You're robbing me. You're not giving me your best You're giving me your leftovers. You're giving me these crippled, blind, diseased animals. You're not giving me your best. You're coming to worship with some lackluster attitude. After you pay your bills, after you feed your children, after you pay for your car and your mortgage, then you give me whatever is left over. And you're robbing me. See, back in the day... God's people expressed their faith to Him by giving of their tithes and offerings, by giving their first fruits to the Lord. This is what Deuteronomy 15 says. Set apart for the Lord. Give to God every firstborn male of your herds and flocks. Do not put the firstborn of your oxen to work. Do not shear the firstborn of your sheep. If an animal has a defect, is lame or blind or has any serious flaw, you must not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. God says, give me your best. Give me your first fruits. Don't give me your blind, your lame, your crippled. Don't give me your leftovers. Give me what is rightfully mine. Because I'm the owner of everything. And the way you can express your faith in me is by returning to me a portion of what is rightfully mine. If you want to grow spiritually, if you want to get back on track in your relationship with God, then give. Live as if everything belongs to God, because it does. Return to the Lord what is rightfully His. The scriptures refer to this as tithes and offering. Now, a tithe typically is about 10% of your annual income, but back then it was about 30%. Because 10% went to the, the temple, 10% went to care for the poor, and 10% went to the annual celebrations, about 30%. And, and what, what, what God is saying to his people is that you're stealing. You're robbing from me what is rightfully mine. You've drifted away from me. One of the ways that we express our faith in God as our provider is that we return to him a portion of what is his as a way to express our faith in God as our creator. As our provider. He says, you've drifted from me. Now return to me, come close to me, and I'll come close to you. Verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Bring the whole, don't hold back. Don't just give the leftovers. Bring the whole tithe to me. Express your faith in me by bringing the whole tithe to me. Bring it all. Then God says, this is the only thing, this, this is, only God can say this. I, I love how God talks to his people. This is what God says to his people. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Isn't that just awesome? Test me in this. Try me in this. Give it a Try. And see if I'm not going to provide for your needs. Just test me in this. Return to me what is rightfully mine. And see if I don't bless the socks off you. If I don't take care of all your needs. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour so much blessing on you that you'll not have enough room for it. See, this is a moment. This is a point on the spiritual journey where you can test God to see if he will provide for your needs. This is a moment in your spiritual journey where you return to God as rightfully his to see if God will be that provider to care for you and to bless you that you don't even have enough room in the storehouses to fill God's blessing on you. This is a test of faith. Isn't that what happened to Abraham? You remember the story of Abraham and Isaac? Abraham heard the voice of god to sacrifice his one and only son isaac so he got his son isaac and he had his servants and he got some lumber together and he started walking up mount moriah to get to the top and he was going to provide to create this altar and his son asked him hey dad where, where are you going to get the sacrifice and abraham answers the lord will provide and then he continues to build this altar and he puts Isaac on the altar. And the scriptures say that he tied him down, raised the knife, and was just about to spring it down. And this is what God said in Genesis twenty-two twelve: 12. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your one and only son. See, Abraham passed the test. He says, now I know that you've given me it all. You've given me everything. You have not withheld your one and only son. Now I know your heart, that you've recognized me as the owner and provider of everything, even your one and only son. My brother-in-law has a four-year-old boy. My nephew is four years old. And they had a conversation one early morning. My nephew woke up his his, uh, his dad, early in the morning. And they did their morning routine. And one part being they read the Scriptures together to do this annual reading plan. And they read this passage of Scripture in Abraham, in Genesis, where, where Abraham is going up the mountain, bringing the sacrifice in the lumber, where his boy asks him, hey, where's the sacrifice? And God will provide. And then he gets to this point, reading to his four-year-old boy about how Abraham was going to sacrifice his son. And the boy's jaw dropped and his eyes popped. And he asked his dad, Hey, Dad, when are you going to do that to me? When are you going to do that to me, Dad? And in his heart, the dad said to himself, I do that every day. I return you to God every day because you're not mine. My son, my daughter, my health, my job, my clothes, my car. Nothing is mine. The earth is the Lord's and Everything in it, the world and all who live in it, everything I think I own is actually on loan. This is the third mile marker on the spiritual journey. This is where we recognize in our hearts and in our lives that our health, our family, our future, our jobs, everything we have is a gift from God. It's on Loan, it's not ours. And how we view our stuff is a test. How we spend our money is a test of our faith in God as our provider. Isn't that what Paul wrote to the Corinthians? You know the Earl Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, he says this, But just as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness, and in your love for us, just as you are growing in your faith and maturing as a follower of Christ, see to it that you also excel in the grace of giving. See to it that you also grow in your capacity to give. And then he writes this. I'm not commanding you. I just want to, and what's that word there? I want to test. I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. I want to test you. The reason why you have your money is to test your faith as God, as your provider. I want it to test your faith, your love for God. Verse 9, he writes this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Did you notice what you're being tested on do you notice the litmus test of faith it's the gospel says i'm testing to see if you really understand the gospel of grace that though he was rich yet for your sakes he became poor That Jesus lived the life we couldn't live. He died the death we deserve to die. Paul says, I'm taking you all the way back to mile marker number one to see if you really understand the gospel of grace. I'm not commanding you. Paul writes, I'm not commanding you. I'm testing you to see if you understand that you are guilty and not condemned. Because no one who understands the gospel of grace needs to be commanded to give. No one who understands that God forgives me of my sin needs to be commanded to give. People who understand that do that naturally. It's an overflow. It's an act of worship. Because of what Christ does for me, because the fruit of the Spirit lives inside of me, because I recognize that God is the owner of everything, I give 10% of my income to the Lord. I do so freely, generously, because of all that God has done for me. Because God is my creator, the earth is the Lord and, and, and everything in it, because he's the creator, because he is my redeemer. He lived the life I couldn't live. He died the death I deserve to die. I give. I return to the Lord what is rightfully is. as an expression of my faith in him. As an overflow of joy, I return to God to let him know, I believe that you will provide for my needs. I believe that you provided your son as a sacrifice for my sin you didn't do what abraham did just bring his son to the altar you gave your very best you gave your son you gave it all in response to what you have done i return to the lord what is rightfully that's mile marker number three that's this point on your journey where you recognize god is the creator of everything all to him i owe and I returned to him what is rightfully his. See, that's mile marker number three. And of all the things that you can do to grow in your relationship with God, of all the places, all the environments that you can put yourself in in order for you to grow closer to God, this is one of the most significant ones. This is the area to give. Because Jesus declares this as the thing most close to your heart, the closest thing to your heart is your money. Jesus said it this way, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That, that what you do with your money says so much about what you value and what you love. The best thing that you can do to grow in your relationship with God is to grow in the grace of giving. It's the third mile marker in the journey. It, it, you, you, God already owns it all. You know, you're not giving anything to God. God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. He doesn't want your money to get you. He wants you to live a life of freedom, a life of joy, a life of generosity. So he says, give. In response to the gospel, in response to my creation, give back to me what is rightfully mine. I remember one of the first times I was, uh, where I, where this was brought to my attention, This this joy of giving, this response to the gospel, I was... Uh, I was—I uh, had my first job out of college. I was in Chicago working for World Relief, and it was back in 1993. And I was making about $13,000 a year, which was big money back then, just above the poverty line. And I tell you, I did not have a lot of resources. But I went to this message, or to, to this church, and I heard this message about God inviting us to return to Him what is rightfully his, because he's our creator, because he's our redeemer. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to an evangelical free church. Isn't church free? I, I, didn't, I didn't get that in the program. This is a free church, right? And I already was doing much for God with my time. I was working among refugees, serving the poor, not making a lot of money. I had a wedding, wanted to get married. I was trying to save for. So, but there is this moment where, where, where God sort of tugged on my heart. And if you look in my Bible, i even have it marked there. Malachi 3, 1993, where I came to this point in my journey where I realized God's the owner of everything. And because he's my creator and because he's my redeemer, I'm going to return to him what is rightfully his. And ever since I've been giving, 10%, and even growing and excelling in the grace of giving. And time and time again, God has just blessed and provided both relationally and spiritually and physically for my niece. Have you made it to this mile marker on the spiritual journey? Are you growing and excelling in the grace of giving? Do you come every week with an opportunity with this heart saying, God, you've given me so much. I just want to return to you what is right for the years, because this is every week we can come back to this mile marker to place our hearts right before God and to physically give in response to all that God has given to us. I love the way that Malachi ends this little speech that he gives to God's people. God speaks to, through Malachi. In Malachi 3.10, he says, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you'll not have enough room for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines of your fields will not drop for, uh, their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. See, God cannot bless a clenched fist. He just can't. God cannot bless a clenched fist. Just grab your hands like this. Just clench your fists like here just for a moment. Just clench those together. God cannot enter into that space. There is no room for the Spirit of God to enter into that place when you are clenching your resources. You can't get in there. God cannot bless a clenched fist. He says, open it up. Let me pour out my blessings upon you so you can be a blessing to everyone and everywhere you go. I do not know where you're at on your spiritual journey. I don't know what you give to this church or any church. That's not for me. That's between you and the Lord. All I know is if you want to grow in your relationship with God, if you want to experience God's presence and power in your life, then you need to live your life in such a way that God is the owner of everything. Because He is. And one way, one real specific way, is to return to Him what is rightfully His. To give at a starting point, 10%. And then to grow in the grace of giving. That's mile marker Number three, and a number of years ago, we as a leadership team collectively experienced this mile marker together. In in your programs, you see a little giving commitment card that we as a leadership team created. And there was this beautiful process that we did as a leadership team. We studied the scriptures and we prayed and we came up with this commitment. We says we, as leaders of Maple Grove Covenant Church, we follow the biblical example of giving cheerfully out of a response to the gospel generously and at times sacrificially to the Lord. We believe that giving at least 10% of our gross income is normal and natural. We also believe that Jesus was right when he said, it's better to give than to receive. And we look forward to experiencing the joy of giving generously together as a faith community. We look forward to creating an environment, a place where we give generously to the Lord. And we're doing that. But are we growing And the grace of giving, are we excelling? See, that's how we return. That's how we continue down this faith journey together. This is mile marker number three. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May you live your life as if God is the owner of everything, because he is. And out of gratitude to the gospel, may you live a life of generosity. God bless you.